I don't know, there's something that's been stirring in my spirit. That it feels like for me, there's too many people that have settled for less. How many of you know that Christianity was never intended to be a boring, mundane life? But yet that is what the world perceives it as. Why? Because we have too many false witnesses. We have people that are witnessing of their experience, but they never had an encounter with God. They never had an encounter with the true power of God. The power that can change your life. The power that I encountered one time at one youth camp meeting. And my life was never to be the same again. It takes one encounter with the living God to change your life and nothing can take that away from you. When you have had an encounter with God, it doesn't matter what somebody says, they can try and convince you nobody can take that away from me you can try and reason it out it's not something I can reason it's something supernatural that takes place and it's something that causes the fire of God to be in my bones that I cannot help but preach the word that I cannot keep silent his word is like a fire Jeremiah says that I have to preach I have to share my encounter I have to share my experience that is Christianity. You can sit there, you can have your seats, you can have your seats. I know it's the morning, but forgive me if I preach. This is something that we need to know. Because this is something that can cause us to stumble. And I know that last week we shared on drifting away, and we're going to carry on with that this morning. And we're going to conclude this message, but... We need to be aware of what happens when we drift away so that we can prevent it in our lives. Because drifting away is something that happens so subtly. It's not something that you wake up one day and you backslidden. It's a process that takes time. Slowly over time, you grow strangely dim. Slowly over time, the fire goes quiet. It gets softened. It goes out. It's over time. If it was drastic and it happened overnight, you would notice it. But it's a slow process. It's like the science experiment that they do where they put a frog in boiling water. It jumps out immediately. But if you put a frog in, in water and you slowly turn up the temperature, that frog will remain in that water until it boils and they, it dies. Because the environment changes slowly. And it's not aware of what's happening. The same is true for us when we drift away. The environment slowly changes. Suddenly when you wake up in the morning and it's a Sunday and you think, oh, I have to go to church. Or it's a Wednesday and it's, it's 6.30 p.m. And you think, oh, I've had a long day. It's e-group. That subtle things that begin to creep in. It's a sign of drifting away. But how many of you know that there's a solution to this? And this morning I'm going to give you the solution. And this is, this is a powerful key because we need to understand the symptoms of backsliding so we can identify it in our lives. Because when we recognize what is taking place, we can prevent it. Too many people, if you ask anyone that is backslidden, not one of them will say that they desire to backslide. It's not something that's desirable, especially when you've had a genuine encounter with God. I'm sure it's easy to backslide if you've never met Jesus. If your experience with Christianity is just, you were convinced in so you can be convinced out. Then I'm sure it's easy to backslide. But if you understand the symptoms and how to prevent it, 
then you can secure yourself. We talk about drifting away. You can anchor yourself so that it doesn't matter what happens in your life. It doesn't matter how the devil tries to come against you. You are anchored in these things. You are anchored and firmly secured that drifting away becomes almost impossible. Amen. So let's get into it. First of all, um, last week we spoke about the first verse. I'll, I'll just touch base. We just want to recap quickly. We spoke about in Revelation chapter number two, verse four. It speaks about, uh, let me just fix this. Sorry. <laughs> By this, I mean my voice. Revelations 2 verse, 4, uh, 2 verse 4. The Bible says, And I have this against you, that you have left your first love. You have left your first love. Notice who does the leaving. God doesn't leave. It's something that happens from our side. We drift away. God doesn't drift away. We drift away. But then again, another verse, and that is in Jeremiah 2 verse 21 in the Amplified Classic, just to recap what we discussed last week. We spoke about the mindset of somebody that drifts away. But this is the verse in Jeremiah 2 verse 21. It says, Yet I have planted you, O house of Israel, a choice vine holy of pure seed. How then have you turned into degenerate shoots of wild vine alien to me? Somebody that drifts away, it becomes degenerate. Somebody that drifts away becomes an alien vine, a wild vine that is alien to the vine from which they grow from. How many of you know that He is the vine? So we are connected to the vine, but when we become backslidden, we become degenerate shoots and we are wild vines that are alien to God. So let's just jump into this. There's a lot of verses and I, I, I need to get this through to you and, and you can take notes because these are things we need to identify in our lives. If you're sitting here and, you th- and you're feeling like maybe, yo, that's me. Or maybe you're online because you didn't want to come to church today. Um, ish, <laughs> please stay watching. But I'm going to show you the symptoms and I'm going to show you how you can prevent this and how you can anchor yourself that you won't drift away. Amen. So first of all, let's go to Psalm 119 verse 9. Psalm 119 verse 9 in the New King James Version. How can a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. That is too many times the case. We begin to wander. But I hope that this morning I can solidify and, and, and contradict this suggestion that this is something that is desirable. Because I believe that the world perceives Christianity as something that is boring. And the reason they do is because too many people have had an experience of boring Christianity. Too many people have had an experience of a powerless Christianity. Too many people have had an experience of Christianity as a religion and not a relationship. But it's our responsibility as the church to change that perception, to change that mindset, that we can be those that are not just doers of the word, hearers of the word, 
and speakers of the word, but doers of the word. That we can go out and fulfill the great commission. That these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. In my name they shall heal the sick. They shall cleanse the leper. In my name they shall do these things. How Jesus would speak about how he would confirm his word with signs and wonders. That is what is required. Because when a person says that Christianity is boring, my first suggestion is, let me show you the power of God. Let me show you how not boring this is. Take my hand and Father, reveal your power to them. Reveal your love to them. Reveal your presence to them. And watch how they change. Have your seats, have your seats. This is, I've done this. There was a man that I met in Amschlange once. We were reaching out, evangelizing. He was a manager of a restaurant. And he came out because we were causing a bit of a commotion. And he came out and said, what are you guys doing? So I said, no, we're here to reach out to people. We're here to preach the gospel. He said to me, why are you doing this? I said, because I care about you. I care about the people that Satan is blinding, the people that God desires after his heart. That is his heart. That's what touches his heart, his souls. So I said to this man, he said, but it's Friday night. Why aren't you at the nightclubs? Why aren't you doing this? You're young. And I said to him, I have no desire for that. Then he said, no, I've been a Christian. And it's not, so I asked him, you know, can I pray for you? He said, no, I've been a Christian. It's not for me. I said, what do you mean it's not for you? He said, no, this, it's, I, I'm not into religion. I said, well, I've got good news. It's not a religion. He said, no, but you know, I've been to church and I never, nothing really happened. Nothing changed in my life. And I said to him, I'm so sorry about that, but I'm not here to debate whether Christianity is real or not. Let me just pray for you, please. I will pray one prayer that you will have an encounter with God this night, that he will touch your life and that you will feel his presence. I took the man's hand and I began to pray, Father, reveal yourself to him. And he began to weep outside the restaurant that he was managing. There's nothing boring about Christianity. When you have had an encounter with God, you have to share that encounter. That is what makes it, that's the genuineness of Christianity. But have your seats, that's not, it is why I'm here. But let me show you this. So the first symptom of drifting away is that we know that we are drifting away when we lose interest in the Word of God. The moment you lose interest in the Word of God, it is a sure sign that you are drifting away. Why? Because everything we need in life is locked up in the Word of God. It is our instruction manual. It is His Word. It is, it is, it is something that we are to meditate on day and night. And when we do this, every area of our life will be affected. When we spend time in the Word, it renews our mind. Our mind becomes renewed and the way that we think becomes impacted. If you've ever had a genuine experience where you've read the Word and really studied the Word, then you will see how you went in with a perception. And the problem is that too many times we do this when we have a difficulty. So I have a problem now, let me go and seek God. But when I don't have problems, no seeking God. But let me give you this example. You go in because there's a situation that is bothering you. You spend time in the Word, you spend time in prayer. And your perception begins to change. The problem didn't go away. But the way that you see that problem is now suddenly shifted. Why? Because you've elevated your perspective. Now you are looking at the same situation, but from a different perspective. 
and you begin to have your mind renewed, that is by the power of the Word. So let's go to Joshua 1 verse 8, if we can have it in the King James Version. It says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Are you in the right verse? Can you hear me at the back? Is it my voice? Joshua 1 verse 8. Okay. The book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou may obey, observe, that thou observe to do according to all that is written in it. So this is an instruction from God to Joshua. It's the first thing that God says to Joshua. He's now taking over from Moses. And God is saying, this word shall not leave your mouth. There's a, I'll just give you a quick key benefit, quick bonus key there. If I'm reading the word, how is the word in my mouth? <laughs> it's, it's not a trick question. Because I, it changes the way I speak. When I have the word in me, my mouth begins to change. That's why it says, this word of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. The word of the law must not leave your mouth. It must remain in your mouth. When you, a sure sign that you're drifting away is when you have no desire for the word, but it changes what you speak. Because when you spend time in the Word, your voice begins to change. Your words begin to change. You begin to speak the things of God. You begin to speak the Word of God. Amen. Then it says, for, for, uh, where are we here? And thou must observe to do according to that it is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. When you have the word in your mouth and you do not depart from it, it causes you to become prosperous. But next verse, it's not only that. It doesn't end there. And you shall have good success. If you want to be prosperous and you want to have good success, then the word of God must not leave your mouth. It must not depart from your mouth. You must meditate on it day and night. It must change the way you speak. It must change the way you think. It must change the way you act. It must govern you in every area. It is the instruction manual from heaven. It is, it is what renews our minds. 2 Timothy 2 verse 15. In the NLT, I'm going to challenge you today with translations. It says, work hard so that you can present yourself to God and receive His approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. This is something that we must desire towards. That we would be one who is not ashamed, who can correctly explain the word of truth. Too many times we, we fall into drifting away because we neglect the word of God. But the Word of God can be an anchor to us to prevent drifting away. And the problem too many times is when our mindset begins to shift. And we think like this. We think, yes, I have my Bible. 
I hope everyone has a Bible. Please. I have like 23 or something. So if you don't have one, speak to me. <laughs> but if you have a Bible, the problem is the mindset comes in when we think. But I, I come to church on a Sunday, two services. I get a lot of the word. Or I go to, and I go to e-group here an extra day. I get a lot of the word. And our mindset shifts. You know, this is the problem when it comes to drifting away. Your mindset begins to shift. That's why you leave your first love. Because when you're, when you're born again and when you get saved, you're in love with God. You want nothing else but His presence. There's this, they talk about a honeymoon phase. I don't like that. But there's this purity when it comes to your relationship with God. If you get properly saved, if you have an encounter with God. But then what happens over time is your thinking begins to shift. And when your thinking begins to shift, you forget what it was that you first experienced. It's, I'll give you this example and then I'll come back. I don't have a lot. I actually have some time. <laughs> so this is what happens. I'm in love with God. I just got saved. All I want to do is spend time in His presence. All I want to do is pursue the things of God. So I'm going to commit myself to church. I'm going to be there at every service. I'm going to join an e-group. In fact, I'm going to plan an e-group. I'm going to come and do the cleaning. I'm going to stack the chairs. I'm going to do everything that I can to be involved. Why? Because you love God. You've had an encounter and that's your desire. Then six months goes by. Then you don't feel like doing this anymore. Suddenly something's changed. When you wake up in the morning and it's church time and you have to be here at six o'clock because you're serving, you think, oh, do I really have to come and clean? Do I really have to come and serve? Do I really have to come and do these things? And you begin to change why you started doing it. Your motivation becomes different. Now you're doing it because you're committed to doing it, not because of that love. Then it gets worse. Then suddenly somewhere along the line, you start to think that the, whoever it is, whatever leader, is making you do this. I'm now doing it for the leader. And when you start doing it for the leader, you know everything changes. Now you want recognition, you want acceptance, you want approval, you want all of these things. And then one day, this is how it works, this is the blueprint of how things work. Then one day, you're tired, you've had a bad day, and Harad phones you and says, why are you not at cleaning today? Just want to know where you are, are you okay? And you think, and suddenly your heart just goes, hmm, these people just, and... <laughs> but notice it takes place over time. It's not day one. But that whole mindset shift can be prevented if we anchor ourselves. And the first way we do that is by spending time in the Word of God. So the second one is very closely connected. And that is when, when we neglect to pray. We know that we are drifting away when we neglect to pray. So the first one is the Word. You neglect the Word, you know you're drifting away. If you've begun to neglect the Word in your life, then quickly make the correction. Don't wait until you're fully blown backslidden because then you won't know because oftentimes it's connected with offense and then there's more things to deal with. Rather just take some introspection and make sure that your life is right now. If it's, I, I used to love spending time in the Word, but now I'm not doing it so much, then just make the correction and prevent the whole process of getting further away. The second one is we neglect to pray. This is when we lose our passion for spending time with God's presence. We lose our passion for prayer. 
Prayer is the way that we communicate with God. I said prayer is the way that we communicate with God. And God is the navigator of our life. It means that we need to be in communication with Him. Because this is often connected with people who don't know who they are, where they're going, or why they were created. Because if you want to know those things, you have to be in communication with the one who is navigating your life, the one who created you, the one who gave you that purpose in the first place. And you connect with Him by prayer. But when the passion for prayer goes out, when you find yourself not spending time in prayer, not spending time seeking His face, it's a sign of drifting away. It, it's prayer. Let me say it this way. Prayer is to the Spirit as breathing is to the body. If you are not praying, if you're not spending time in prayer, you are starving your spirit of the life that it needs to survive. And if you starve your spirit, your flesh begins to win. And the flesh wants back into the world. And the spirit wants nothing to do with the world. So that is a sure sign that you're drifting away. Another one, this is a big one, is you know as a sure sign that you're drifting away when you neglect coming to church. And now I know you are here in church. <laughs> so I'm glad that that doesn't apply to you right now. But it's a sign to be aware of. And you can identify it and recognize it by the way you feel and think about church. Are you excited to come into the presence of God? Are you excited to spend time under the Word? Are you excited to spend time in fellowship with the saints? Or has it become something else in your mind? Because you might still commit to doing it because you just feel you need to do it. But your mindset has shifted concerning it. And I don't know how you can possibly do that at a church like this. Because we have life-giving services. Amen. How many of you know that there's a life and power in every service at Encounter? That's something that we should desire for. It's the fellowship of the saints. We know during lockdown when, they, when we couldn't meet together, couldn't gather together, how much it affected people. There is preservation in having church. There's preservation in gathering together. So that's a sure sign that you are drifting away when you lose interest in church. Or maybe, and it starts subtly. Maybe you just you used to come to every service and e-group. Now you're not coming to the evening anymore. And now sometimes there's excuses for e-group. It starts slowly, but we can identify and recognize it before it becomes a massive problem. Let's read in Hebrews 10 verse 24. It says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Why is gathering in church such a big debate? All these, I don't know what you call them, but a lot of people say things like, but we are the church. That's great. No one asked if you're the church. Why are you not in church? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. The author of Hebrews is addressing a problem that was an issue then as much as an issue it is now. 
it has become the manner of some to neglect the gathering together of the saints. But watch what happens. Exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We are able to, when we gather together, to exhort one another. And before the verse, if you go back, uh, it says, we stir up love and good works. We stir up love and good works and exhort each other when we gather together. And this is something that takes place very powerfully in the e-groups. It's very difficult to backslide or to drift away when you have a system that is caring for you. When, you have, when you've been gathering together and you've assembled yourself with the saints. When you come to e-group, the e-group knows, hey, this person hasn't been here for two weeks. Let me phone them. Let me go and have coffee with them. Let me see if they're okay. And you have a lifeline that's handed out to you on your way as you're drifting out. It's like you're drifting out to sea and somebody throws you a life raft. But you need to be gathering together, not neglecting the assembling together of ourselves. In God's Word translation, it says we should not stop gathering together with other believers, as some of you are doing. Instead, we must continue to encourage each other, even more as we see the day of the Lord is approaching. This is what the church is. There is power when it comes to gathering. There is power when it comes to agreement. For example, we know that Matthew 18, let's go there, Matthew 18 verse 18. There is a, when we, if we look at the verse in Hebrews I just read, there is a requirement that we fulfill when we gather together. When we spend time in fellowship in His presence, there is an exhortation that takes place. There is an encouragement and an upliftment that takes place. How many of you have felt this? When you come to church, you might feel a certain way before. But when you leave church, nobody prayed for you. Nobody even spoke to you. But you just feel lifted. You just feel refreshed. You feel renewed. You feel like you have been strengthened. That is the power of gathering together. But let's, let, let me show you this. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosened in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. There is the power of agreement when it comes to gathering together. Two or more, two or three are gathered together. Two or more are gathered together. As it is right now, there is power in agreement. One will cause a thousand to take flight. Two will cause 10,000 to take flight. How much more so as you amplify it? How much more exponentially does it grow the more we gather? That's why I said so many times we hear the statement, I, I, I don't need to go to church. But the moment that we come into salvation and we accept Jesus, we need to associate ourselves with people who can be there for us, who can help us, who can walk a road with us, that we can be connected correctly and properly. I know too many people that got saved, and I'm sure it's the experience of many of us here. You get saved radically, but nobody connects you to nothing. And you feel like you're doing this by yourself, and slowly you fall away. And then suddenly some, you know, we have lots of testimonies like that, of people that have been saved on fire, fallen away, and then come back. But it would be better if it was not so. It would be better if there was never a drifting away. 
So we need to recognize that these are the signs of it, the symptoms of it, so that we can prevent it. Hebrews 2 verse 1 to 3. It says, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. That is my prayer for today. That we would take heed for the words that we have heard. That every one of us would take heed of the words that we hear today. That we will not drift away. For, next verse. For, for if, I must just remember to read there because I can't see there. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward. Next verse. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So great a salvation. Which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard Him. It was confirmed to us by those who heard Him. Meaning that when you have an encounter, you, you're reaching out to people. There's confirmation that takes place to other people, but that must take place in association. How do you have somebody confirm things that have been spoken to them if there's no communication, if there's no connection, if there's no fellowship? Many people reach a place where they feel that they no longer need to attend church. They no longer have a desire for prayer. They no longer have a desire for the Word of God. And it is a sure sign that they are drifting away. They no longer desire to be in an e-group on a Wednesday. It becomes a burden rather than a pleasure, rather than something that they look forward to. When it comes to Wednesday, you might be having a bad day, but you should have this mindset. At least I have e-group tonight. I might be having a difficult day, but at least tonight I'm going to gather together in the presence of God with people who are like-minded like me. I'm going to be refreshed. I'm going to be encouraged. I'm going to be uplifted. I'm going to have an encounter. I'm going to have an experience of fellowship with true believers who can encourage me. Amen. And more importantly, you can be that for someone else. Christianity was never intended to be a selfish relationship we have with God. Or a selfish experience. How many times do we fall into the trap of making it about us? I had a bad day today. So, for, so I'm going to be like this at e-group. Or I had a bad experience, so I need this and I need that. But how powerful is it that you can gather together with somebody. I'm just talking about the e-group for example. You gather in the e-group and how powerful is it that you can be, have and be a person that can encourage and speak into the life of somebody else. Just by sharing your testimony or your experience. You might have had a worse day than them, but you can touch them. I don't know why I went there. Maybe some selfish people need to hear. Let me also say this. this when we preach here, it might not be for everyone, but it's certainly for someone. So you might sit there and think, oh, this is not for me. Maybe it is more for you. <laughs> or you might think, okay, I know this, but you know, just remember that this could be for someone else. There is nothing that we say that is by chance. If you are yielded to the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
When you start to lose your desire for these things, when you start to lose your desire for the Word, for prayer, for gathering together, for attending church, for being an e-group, when you begin to lose these desires, if they remain unchecked, if these symptoms of a sickness, the symptoms of drifting away remain unchecked, you can fall away and drift away as the verse just said. It is not possible for us to stand and fight alone. It is not possible for us to stand and fight alone. When one is weak, another is strong. We need each other. We need to be gathered together to stand together. To stand against the enemy. You can look at any, the, like the most successful hunting animals, like the wild dogs have the highest success rate of hunting they hunt in packs that one dog cannot take down the, the prey that they are going after by themselves it's not possible but when they work together in an in synchronicity and they work together they can take down animals that are much bigger than them and feed the whole pack the whole pack benefits of the rewards the same is true for us it's not possible for us to stand and fight alone. We need each other. If there's one thing that we felt in lockdown, it was that. I just, I, I just long to be with people. I was so tired of being in my house and looking at my computer every day. <laughs> the fourth reason we know we're drifting away. We know we're drifting away when we don't give and we stop giving our time and our money. We know that we are drifting away when we stop giving of our time and our money. And I say money, I'm talking about tithes and offerings and seeds. It's a sure sign that you're drifting away. When you close yourself up with your generosity. When you close yourself up with your time. When you're not spending time on something, it means you're not invested in that thing. The things you care about are the things you spend time on. People who can play golf for how many hours it is, they care about that. I don't do that because I don't care about it. It would be very strange if I was playing golf and I didn't like it or didn't want to. I would be wasting my time, as you say. Wasting my time. So the pro this is a sure sign is when you feel that it's wasting your time. You're not invested. You begin to close up when it comes to giving of your time and of your money. And uh, we can go to Luke 6 verse 38. It's the verse that Pastor Chris shared for the offering. Don't worry, it's not a second offering. But you can always give at any time. But the Bible says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. This happens when people begin to think or go through difficulties. You go through a difficult time and you think, you begin to think like this. I can't afford to tithe. I can't afford to give offerings. I can't afford to sow seeds. I can't afford this anymore. But the reality is you can't afford not to do those things. We are very well taught at Encounter of what it means when you tithe, what it means when you give offerings, when you give seeds, and the benefits thereof. Not only that you're keeping the covenant of God, but that it becomes an insurance policy for the rest of your income. It becomes protection. It empowers God to rebuke the devourer and many, many other things that we don't have to get into now. 
But the moment that you begin to neglect your stewardship, it is a sure sign that you are drifting away. The Bible makes it very clear in multiple verses, in multiple books in the Bible, that God causes multiplication to take place. That God will multiply you and increase you. So when you begin to drift away in this area, that begins to cease. And it begins to affect our entire life negatively. And the problem with that is then you begin to blame it on something else. You fail to recognize that, it, that this is the cause. And, 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 and time is just as important. You're, you're, you don't have place value on the things of God with your time. Somebody who is able to spend their time on... Remember, time is something that is finite. You never get your time back. You can make money and lose money and, and that's great, but you can never get time back. So if, you are invest, if you're serious about God, you spend your time on the things of God. Another reason, or number five, we know we're drifting away when we fail to share Jesus with anyone. When lost... Did you share about Jesus? When last did you preach the gospel? When last did you share your encounter? If we can think about the opposite of drifting away is being on fire. Let's just, for the sake of this. The opposite of drifting away is being on fire. But somebody who is on fire cannot help but share the gospel. The disciples on the road to Emmaus. Jesus appears to them and their eyes were constrained. They could not see that it was Him. And He saw them as sorrowful. He saw them as somebody, as people that had lost hope, that were dis discouraged and they were weeping. They were talking about how sad the situation was. Jesus was crucified. It's in Luke chapter number 2. No, it's not. Can't be. 24, I think. Can't be in 2. That's like the beginning of the book. It's after the crucifixion. Where is it now? Luke 24. No, that's, that's fine. But we see how they're on the road to Emmaus and they're weeping and they're discouraged, but Jesus is now walking with them. And then he begins to open up the scriptures to them. And he's, and he's beginning at the prophets and he shares, and the Psalms, and he shares all the things that were spoken concerning himself. And then the, the, the Bible talks about how they constrained him. So they went from somebody who was morbid, depressed, discouraged, weeping, in despair, in sadness, to somebody that was going to constrain Jesus because they did not want Him to leave. That's how much they wanted His presence. But then the Bible says something powerful. They constrained Him because He, he looked as if He would have carried on past. But they constrained Him and they take Him to the, their house. And He begins to open up the Scriptures even more. And then He disappears. When they, they realize at the time of eating, which is fellowship, which is important, they're eating and there's fellowship, then their eyes open and they see it's Jesus. So you can get a revelation of Jesus around fellowship. Then he disappears and they say these words. Did not our hearts burn within us? Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened up the scriptures to us? 
When you've had an encounter with God, there is a fire that is stirred up within you. His Word becomes like a fire inside of you. Like Jeremiah said, His Word is like a fire that is shut up in my bones and I cannot be silent even though I want to not speak. I cannot help but speak and preach His Word. That is a side effect of salvation. And if it is not in your life, it's a sure sign of drifting away. When we're drifting away and we're not talking to anyone about Jesus, it means that we are not paddling against the current of society anymore. It means we are not resisting the natural flow of the world, of society. Where the world says we must go this way, we're just drifting with. Drifting away is a passive experience. Backsliding is a passive experience. It's not something you have to do. It's something that you need to avoid not doing. So don't sit there idly and let the current take you. But resist the world. Because why? The world says that, you know, it's not very politically correct. You know, for you to speak like this. It's not politically correct for you to preach about Jesus. It's not politically correct for you to have the views that you have. To have the, 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 the perceptions and the beliefs and, and the values that you have. It's not very politically correct. I don't know about you, I would much rather be biblically correct than politically correct. I would much rather be biblically correct and know that when Jesus said, go into all the world and preach this gospel, it is our obligation. Think of it this way, if we don't, who will? Who's going to do the role that we are here to carry? And let me also say this, we have a responsibility to our generation. The next generation has their own generation to care for them and the previous generation had their generation. If we neglect the generation that we are called to, then nobody else is going to fill that place. I'm talking us as the church collectively. So we have an obligation to the world to share the message that we've received, to share the encounter that we've received. Christianity is never called to be a passive experience. The early church, there was no passive experience. When Stephen was martyred, it was not a passive experience. He stood there and he stood firm for what he believed in. It didn't matter if there was the consequences of death. He refused to settle for anything less. Paul would much rather settle for a jail cell than to compromise what he believed and to stop preaching the gospel. In the book of Acts chapter number 5, when the disciples were arrested for preaching the gospel, the high priest said to them, I forbid you from doing this. And they still got arrested again for doing the same thing. They didn't care what the world said. They were held to a higher account. They would much rather be correct when it comes to the Word of God than what the world was saying. And they said these words in Acts chapter number 5, as they were leaving after being whipped and beaten for preaching the gospel. They said, we counted all joy. We counted all joy that we could be persecuted for the sake of Christ. For His name's sake, we can be persecuted. That is the fire that we need back as the church, that we can preach and share what we've experienced. Amen. Have your seats. Have your seats. I must now be quick. The sixth way that we know is when we no longer feel close to God. And this is a given because if you begin to neglect the other things, you immediately begin to feel distant from God. 
John 17 verse 3 says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That is eternal life, that we may know Him, the only true God. Like I said, of course, when you begin to neglect the Word and prayer and gathering together, and you begin to, to neglect these things, of course, you begin to neglect witnessing to people, of course you feel far from Him. The, the, I don't know about you, but for me, the closest I can feel to Jesus is when I see Him moving through me. It's the most incredible experience when you pray for somebody and you can see them have an encounter with God. That we have this ability that by, I can lay my hands on you and you can receive the Holy Spirit. It's the most incredible experience. But what happens when we lose these things is we're actually losing the intimacy and the relationship that we have with God. And we do this because we've allowed the influence of other people or the world to lure us away, to pull us away. But when we do that, we miss God's best for our life. That's why I said this this morning, it's not, it's not a boring experience. Christianity is the opportunity to experience the best that God has for you. He created every one of us in His image. He placed within us a purpose and a destiny in every one of us. And when you have a relationship with Him, when you have fellowship with Him, it is then that those things begin to be revealed to you. And you can see that you are called to far more than you've experienced. That God is not finished with you. There is far more that He has still yet to do with you. Every one of us. If He was finished with us, we would be dead. So I'm going to quickly just, I'm going to close off now. So let me just quickly go through some causes for drifting away or backsliding. First of all, the first cause for this is neglect. We begin to neglect the things of God and we fail to make it a priority in our lives. The second thing is we have a lack of direction in our own life. We have no sense of direction in our own life. That is, that is a reason or that is, that is a, a, a cause for backsliding. And let me say this, that the solutions many times, the solutions are actually found in what you're leaving. Have you ever noticed that your natural response is often the wrong response? You feel hurt, so you isolate. When in fact, when you're in pain, the opposite of isolation is where your healing is. The same is true for drifting away. The reason we drift away is neglect, but the opposite to drifting away is not neglecting. Or uh, having no direction. We feel we have no direction, but you get direction by spending time in His presence or in His Word. When you have clear-cut direction, it is, the, it is one of the most powerful ways to prevent drifting away. Because if you think of the analogy of a ship, if you have no steering, no rudder, if you have no um, prop propellant, if you have nothing that forces you forward, then you're going to drift away. But when you have a clear direction of where you need to go, when you can see clearly where your goal is, your end result is, then not only can you quickly identify when you're drifting away, but you can take measures and steps to correct it and make sure that you get to your destination. The third reason is the influence of other people. 
1 Corinthians 15 verse 33 says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. We've, this, this phrase has been said many times, but you can tell where a person is going by the people that they are surrounding themselves with. If you want to know what you're going to be like, you're going to be like the culmination of the five people closest to you. That's what you're going to be like. So having a wrong, uh, a wrong influence in our lives. Number four, when we are not content with what we have, it causes us to drift away. A sense of entitlement, a sense of I deserve more, I need more. You think like that and you begin to drift away because that is how offense creeps in. But let me give you how to prevent drifting quickly before we close. And this is, all of these in fact are the opposites to the reasons that I just gave you. So to prevent drifting away, first of all, we anchor ourselves in the Word of God. When we are anchored in the Word of God, it preserves us and protects us and keeps us grounded. It keeps our mind renewed and transformed. That we don't go with the current that's trying to sweep us away. We are anchored by the Word of God. The second way we prevent drifting away is by obeying the Word of God. It's one thing to know the Word of God, but it's another thing to obey the Word of God. That's why it's so important to me that we don't just come to church, hear a message and think, wow, that's so good, and do nothing with it. Because then what we become is a head knowledge Christian. We know all these things. We have all this knowledge, but nothing is reflected in our life because we've applied nothing of it. That is why I pray, let us not be hearers of the word only, but doers of the word. Let this word not just touch us, but change us as well. Cause a change to take place in our life. Number three, we present ourselves, prevent ourselves from drifting away by surrendering our lives to God. And this scene sounds very easy, but oftentimes surrender is difficult because we feel like we're giving up control. Too many people are trying to keep control of their life. They're trying to rule their life and govern their life. But if you want to control your life, then you're responsible for what happens in your life. But how much, more, how much better would it be if I rely on God and trust in Him and let Him direct my life by surrendering to Him? Number four, we present ourselves, prevent ourselves by drifting away, by staying on God and focused in prayer. Jesus said to His disciples, during one of the most strenuous moments in his life on the earth. He was about to go to the cross. He said to his disciples, he said, Peter, James, and John, come with me. I'm going to go deeper in prayer. So they came deeper with him in prayer. Then he said to them, I'm going to go even deeper, but just sit here and watch. Just watch here. Just, just please watch here. I'm going to go deeper. And he goes deeper. Then he comes back. Three times he came back and found them sleeping. And said, could you not watch and pray for one hour? Could you not watch and pray lest temptation should come? Jesus said. When you spend an hour in prayer, Jesus' words says, if you could not spend an hour in prayer lest temptation comes. Watch and pray for an hour lest temptation comes. Prayer is what can prevent you from drifting away. The temptation of drifting away, the temptation of being pulled back to the world will be silenced by prayer. That is the solution. 